This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Ayo! Welcome into the CHGO White Sox post game show presented by PointsBet. Use promo code C. H-G-O, when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Welcome into Studio B of our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago, just 15 minutes away from the guaranteed rate field, from the site of where the White Sox win again, five in a row. Five games above 500. They beat the Astros again in the biggest pitching matchup of the century. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. And alongside me, as always, is Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. He's the CHGO White Sox community leader. We'll have Vinny Duber joining us from Guaranteed Rate Field in about eh, maybe 25 minutes or so. He will be talking to Tony. He'll be talking to Yoan. He'll be talking to Dylan. He'll be talking to Liam. And he'll be coming back with all of the exciting quotes from tonight's game. The Sox win 4-3. to three, And Herb, we got all excited about Cease versus Verlander. The White Sox didn't do much against Justin Verlander. <laughs> As expected, I mean, the White Sox did have the bases loaded with only one out in the, I believe it was the third inning, where Lennon Sosa swings at the first pitch and gets out. And then, of course, uh, A.J. Pollock gets out on the next uh, out. And so they get him off the hook. But I like the at-bats early, and then Justin Verlander just took over. He didn't strike out much. I think he only had four strikeouts when he left the game. But 70 innings pitch, only three earned runs for Justin Verlander. It's a great start for him. And the White Sox didn't do well versus him. Now, on the other hand, Dylan Cease wasn't Dylan Cease-like. I think he finished with five or four strikeouts himself and only lasted to the fifth inning. The walks to start the third inning is what the thing that's uh, derailed Dylan Cease's good start. So while it didn't live up to the, you know, the billing of these are the two PS pitchers in the American League, but I'll take the victory of the White Sox winning four to three any day or any win. If it was eight to nine, 17 to four, whatever it is, beating the Astros is my favorite thing in the world now. Right. Because their <laughs> fans are such dicks. And yes, I bathe in Tuve's failures. And he failed at second. Hit that home run. Enjoy yourself. I hope you enjoyed that three to one lead while it lasted. And then Tuve came up later and struck out because he's a bum. And then late in the game, <laughs> popped up. Tuve sucks. Yeah, and Jose Abreu got him out, the, the the better veteran. You know, I I love your anti-Jose Altuve, but that guy's really damn good at baseball. He's all right. They, and Dylan made one mistake tonight, and it was hanging a slider to Jose Altuve, and he destroyed that one. That one was a home run in all 30 parks. There's a lot of fun parts that we can go to. It wasn't the true pitcher's duel, but it was still under seven runs. So, I mean, it was still a good outing. Um, Dylan only goes five innings, like you said. Let's look at the pitching lines because we made so much of it. Uh, all right, you're making the pitching lines. I'm so sorry. That's what you That's were fine. saying. Uh, so, the pitching lines today, Dylan Cease goes five innings, six hits allowed, 
three earned runs, three walks, four Ks. Justin Verlander, seven innings, eight hits allowed, three earned runs, one walk, four Ks. Like Herb said, it wasn't anything crazy from both pitchers. Verlander, second time this year, allowing four hits in the same inning, both in games to the White Sox. So they, they, they saw him well. The issue for the Sox offense, no extra base hits until Gavin Sheets comes through with a huge, huge double that then turns into him standing on third base. It was more late-inning heroics from the White Sox that got it done. I mean, Josh Harrison, if he could touch first base and get to second, <laughs> there would have been a couple doubles there in that inning. But uh, I think Jim Margulis, the soccer machine, says uh, the White Sox even turning doubles into singles. And late clutch hitting by the White Sox gets it done again. The good move by Tony La Russa to pinch hit Lenning Sosa, who has been struggling with the bat and with the glove this year, to put in Gavin Sheets versus Justin Verlander in that spot. Runners on first and second, and Gavin Sheets doesn't miss a slider that hung up a little bit, but it was an inside pitch, and Gavin got the barrel to that, hits the ball down the right field line to score those two runs, and then heads up play when he sees the Kyle Tucker uh, throw trickle away from the uh, cutoff man and gets to third base. Gavin Sheets, while not good initially, has proved his point that he deserves to be up here for the White Sox. Maybe not starting all the time, especially with A.J. Pollock hitting a little bit better and then uh, Andrew Vaughn needing to be designated hitter a little bit more. But coming off the bench as a lefty power bet, an occasional start here or there, Gavin Chiefs can be my mans. There's a lot to get to in this game, and I think people, I see it in the chat already about Andrew Vaughn. Sheets came through clutch in, in that moment. I mean, Justin Verlander tried to veteran veteran him and just keep throwing him sliders and sliders and sliders, and Gavin Sheets didn't get fooled by that at all. Thank you, Stephen, for just pulling it up right there. So Verlander starts him off with a curveball for a called strike. Then Gavin fouls off a slider. Then there's a ball in the dirt that you know Gavin spits on, and then he just really comes through it's a it's a slider inside and Gavin's able to muscle it down the line and he got good enough wood on it we got a red exit velocity it's not like the Kansas City game (laughs) where he's slapping a single into left field he pulled it down the line and the great thing too Sebi it wasn't Yaz running around second base (laughs) right he's able to score all the way from first base great hustle by Sebi and they end up throwing it to home Gavin ends up uh, hustling hard and getting into third base Um, Grant Pollock struck out swinging and then Vaughn uh, grounded out to the shortstop so they didn't add on in that inning but it was a huge huge moment there in the seventh inning being able to come up and being able to deliver for your pitching staff the Sox aren't able to do it when the guys are in the game but they're able to do it at least recently late in the inning let's go to Dylan and let's talk about his outing and his game today because you said it wasn't the best outing today but I still think it was very very fun to watch and I think that Dylan gave exactly enough uh, for the Sox today we got over 209 uh, people watching so please make sure to like if you are watching it helps CHGO sports grow if you like what we're doing here we do this for the White Sox we do this for the Cubs we do this for the Bulls Blackhawks any post game during the regular season postseason stuff we will have pre and post game shows for you for your favorite Chicago sports teams so come and support CHGO sports with you guys being in here but let's start off in that first inning with Dylan Cease because people are are, are, uh, upset about well it's the second inning that ends up getting in there but the first inning uh, he gets Altuve to fly out Gurriel to fly out um, Alvarez singled to center and then Bregman lined out to center nice easy smooth first inning from Dylan and pitches yeah 10 pitches and I think uh, Verlander in the first inning got 
threw seven. it in seven. Yep. Um, so it kind of lived up to that pitcher's duel right away. But in the second inning, uh, things get a little hairy, not massively hairy for the Sox. Tucker walked, then Diaz flied out, then Pena struck out swinging, then Dubon singled to uh, right, Tucker went to third, and then Maldonado lined out, ending the threat. And Rocket line out. Yes, and right at Yohan Moncada, <laughs> yeah. uh, directly at him. Uh, so the Sox avoid disaster there. And then the Sox take the early lead. Abreu singled to right, Grandal singled to right, Moncada struck out singing. Then Josh Harrison comes through with an infield single. It was bobbled a little bit by Jose Altuve. Jeremy Pena wasn't on the second base uh, bag when Tuve flipped it. Um, and then Grandal ends up being safe. Abreu scores, and uh, Harrison gets to first base. Do you know why Tuve bobbled that ball? Why did he bobble that ball? Because Tuve sucks. Because Tuve sucks. Um, and then, like you mentioned, uh, the Sox get uh, the bases loaded after Zavala singled to shallow left. Sosa popped out, and then Pollock grounded into a fielder's choice, ending the bases loaded threat for the White Sox. And then the top of the third, this is where Andrew Vaughn comes in. Altuve walked, Guriel walked, and it wasn't the nicest outing from Dylan Cease in this moment. This is really the inning that he had uh, a lot of issues because it was five pitches to Altuve. He walked him, and he really wasn't able to find the zone. Same thing with Gurriel. Then Alvarez struck out swinging, and it was a great job by Dylan. I thought he was going to get out of the inning. Then on second base, your your, your boy, your dumbass, Tuve, standing on second base, Zavala flips down the glove, and they tried to do this back in uh, Detroit in June. Um, If you remember in the first inning, I think it was uh, Victor Reyes uh, on on second base. He's taken off a lead. Reese puts down his glove towards the mitt. Dylan turns around, throws a ball to Danny Mendick, bounces off Mendick's glove, goes into center field. The Tigers score a run. They do this play. They get Altuve. It's a throw on the money. Harrison tags him, and he doesn't even reach the base. No, Altuve sucks, too. That (laughs) reminds me of that part where Aaron Hicks was uh, venturing off second, and Joe Kelly picked him off, and he looks at him and is like, fuck are you doing? The fuck are you doing? Where are you going? That's why I wanted to say to Tuve. Where are you going, bro? Right. You're messing up the inning. And I was thinking, man, two outs. Tuve just gave us a a good out, a a momentum-changing out right there. And we're going to get out this. Dylan Cease is going to do the job, even though he doesn't have good stuff. It seemed like that inning, the Astros had a game plan to say, okay, his slider's good, but he's not throwing it for strikes right now. So if you see anything out, middle out, just let it go and just make him throw strikes to you. Make him bring that 98 in the zone. And they did a good job of taking their walks there. And then after that Tuve pickoff, there's more to come because uh, Dylan did not get out of that inning because... Well, it's it's not his fault because Bregman doubles to deep right and Andrew Vaughn is back at the wall and it goes in and out of his glove. He gets a glove on it. The route was whew, atrocious. And I'm atrocious. not a blaming Andrew Vaughn. He is a first baseman. To play right field in the major leagues for anybody is tough. For a guy who wasn't trained to do it is really really hard and a guy who doesn't have that good of athleticism might be very impossible and it's coming off a bat of a right-handed hitter so the slice is going away from Andrew Vaughn so he doesn't know that as a trained first baseman slash designated hitter I'm not blaming him I'm blaming Rick Hahn for keep on putting right field uh, first baseman out in right field like I said in the moment this is on Rick Hahn you've had 1200 innings 1,200 innings of a first baseman playing the outfield. It is not working, and it's not Andrew Vaughn's fault, like you said. I tweeted this out back on August 12th. 
Per StatCast, Andrew Vaughn has the lowest success rate, 28.6% of any outfielder, <laughs> minimum 25 attempts in the major leagues this year. And then star rating. Uh, so they break it down by one star, two star, three star, four star, and five star. Um, and there's a catch probability, right? Sometimes you see Luis Robert making a crazy catch. There was the one in Kansas City, right? I think he literally had a 1% chance to catch the ball. But with Luis Robert's speed, his jump, his route, he had the ability to catch that and he caught it, right? No one else can catch that. In five-star catch probabilities, Andrew Vaughn, and those are catch probabilities that have uh, probabilities from 0 to 25%. So, you know, really elite plays making. He's 0 for 5. In four-star attempts from 26 to 50% of catch probabilities, he's 0 for 6. Mm. In three stars, 51 to 75%, he's 0 for 2. Ooh. In two stars, <laughs> 76 to 90%. So more than 25 or more than 75% of the league can make these catches. He's 4 for 9. And in 91 to 95% star catches, he's four for six. Jesus Christ. Juan Soto has the worst outs above average for any outfielder this year. 249 attempts at negative 11 outs above average. Nick Castellanos has a negative 10 outs above average at 226 attempts. Jesse Winker has a negative nine outs above average on 176 attempts. Andrew Vaughn is your worst outfielder in the major leagues. Negative 10 outs above average in 97 attempts. Oof. It's a joke. He shouldn't be out there. He is too slow. He doesn't have the ability to actually run and move at the same time, right? Like, he, it's too much ground for him to cover. And he's just not fast enough to, to, to cover it. Someone said, you know, he's a worse uh, athlete than Schwarber. He is. Schwarber is a faster runner. Schwarber is at least able to get the balls quicker. And, and that's the thing. Andrew's there. He's just not there quick enough to get his feet set, stand in front of the wall, and catch that ball. If Adam Ingles out there... That, that catch is made. And that's when we go back to the pregame and I see Yasmani Grandal at DH and I ask you, what do you think of that? And many people say that should be Andrew Vaughn there and Adam Ingle should be in right field because if you have that situation, maybe Dylan Cease continues the streak. He's got 15 games of one earned run or less because he's able to get out of that tough inning. He walks the first two guys and he's able to get himself out of it. He strikes out Alvarez, the hardest player in that lineup to get out. And then he goes and makes that pickoff play with Harrison and Zavala. Great job there, but, you know, it's, it's, it's again, coming down to the White Sox flaws in building this roster. And I think, firstly, the pitch also was a mistake. Like, I know he wasn't necessarily trusting his slider at that time. He was throwing a lot of four-seam fastballs, and I think it threw a four-seam fastball on the outside corner to Alex Bregman, which, you know, Alex Bregman gets that ball, especially on the outside corner. It is a it's I don't know how hard of that of a catch that was for what was it rated yet, but a regular outfield catch that ball. But I think the pitch was not the greatest. So him and Sebi right. need to come together and get a better location, up and in, off the plate, somewhere else. But it was on the outside corner, what ninety seven miles per hour. Alex Bregman can definitely tattoo with that, and he did right. And Dylan, you know, wasn't perfect today, and we'll get to Dylan a little bit later. Um, then Kyle Tucker comes up; he doubled into center. Bregman scores, makes it two to one, and then Diaz grounded out for them to get out of the third. So it's two to one. And really, looking back on this, the the White Sox could have been leading after the top of the third, one to nothing, if there's a different outfielder out there. But that's not the case. Let's go to the Super Chat because our guy KPW came in with a Super Chat. I know our guy Eli Stein came in with a Super International Chat. International Super Chat money. Yeah, seriously. We got do, double. Do, 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 um, so I first believe off, that's $10. 
in shekels. So ten dollars in uh, Israeli new shekels. Yeah. So shout out to our guy uh, Eli Stein for that. We really, really appreciate your support. And our guy KPW coming in. Guys, call me a bandwagon fan all you want. You guys have made me a Sox fan. Let's win this goddamn division. I'm with you, KPW. You've been shockingly one of the most friendly people we've watched on YouTube. A Canadian being nice, Herb. Who's heard? Who, who knew? Right. That's three dollars and eighty nine cents, my man. Hey, Canada's doing much better than us. Hey, shout out to Canada. Good uh, job, Canada. So we appreciate that, Connor. We appreciate everybody hanging out with us. I think there's like two hundred and seventy five people in here. Uh, I think that's a brand new record. Um, so we have set a new record here on CHGO White Sox for most people in the live stream. Thank you guys. And this is what we've been waiting for. This is what you've been waiting for. You've been waiting for this team to show up and play with fire. And somebody says it. Thankfully, Yohan Makata has that reaction he does in the eighth inning. And he did it last night. He came through in the clutch. He does it again tonight. Just so good to see this team finally come through. And it, it, they're not even coming through in the way I want them to just yet. They're not hitting home runs. No home runs today. We still need to grind to the seventh inning to get an extra base hit out of this team. But they're not giving up, and we saw a little bit of that early on in the season. Started fading away in June and July, and now it feels like it's coming back, which which is really great to see. Been very, very, very exciting to see that Yohan Moncada is at least showing up in those big moments. Because if you're going to show up, at least show up in the big moments. Not like, you know, first inning where, you know, like, I don't know. It, it's just good to see Yo nose clutch. He does, and... We saw a tweet from Jordan Lozowski, who uh, works for Sox on 35th, earlier in the day, just showing how clutch that Yoan is. With no one on, Yoan's splits are 137, 182, and 185. And this specific instance where he drove in the run today, two outs with runner in scoring position, Yoan's hitting 440, 548, and 760 uh, slugging. Now it's much higher because he got that clutch hit, do drop in, RBI single for Yoan Moncada, got the job done. And like Sean said, very rare to see any type of like exaltation, any type of emotion from Yoan. And all the people say, like, you don't care. Look at it. Look at look at how, how, how hyped he is after that, after that hit. Look at how he's playing to his teammates. You don't think it matters? There's a fire burning underneath. He don't need to show it all the time. You can't be doing it all the time, but Yoan Moncada thrives in those situations. I don't know necessarily think it is clutch. I just think it's the absence of choke. Just You just stay at the same level. You don't necessarily rise to a different level. You stay at the same level that you are, and you don't wilt when the pressure's on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And we didn't really see too much wilting uh, today from the Sox, and any fashion, and and you even look at the bullpen. Jose Ruiz comes out scoreless outing. Uh, you see Jimmy Lambert come out scoreless Ooh. outing. Uh, the 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 White Sox performed today, and there weren't too many errors. I mean, there was the one pickoff attempt. Jose Ruiz tried to turn around and, and throw it to Josh Harrison. Her, hit Harrison in the mitt. Yeah. Um, it, it wasn't really a bad uh, a try there. It just wasn't perfectly executed. But you really look at those two plays: the Andrew Vaughn and the pickoff. Those are the big mistakes by the White Sox, and they didn't let them beat. It, they didn't let those mistakes beat them, which was, which was great to see. Um, and even Vince Velasquez came in. I forgot. Uh, we didn't even mention Vince Velasquez ends up getting a activated off the 15-day IL. Matt Foster goes down, and we see Vince Velasquez come in in a huge game off the IL, and he delivers. Um, so awesome, awesome, awesome to see. I can't keep 
I, I just keep saying awesome because, again, White Sox are five games above over 500. I didn't think we'd actually see this, Herb. He either. It, it's a testament to them to never quitting. It's a testament to the Guardians and the Twins for allowing the White Sox to stay right here in the same uh area of them they're only one game behind the guardians and tied with the twins for second place so theoretically after tomorrow night's game the white Sox win the cleveland guardians lose to the tigers the white Sox will be in first place or at least tied for first place with the guardians at least so this is a testament to the team staying together and battling through even without the home run ball even with your ace not having his ace like game and some people said well dylan's not ready for the big lights like questionable like the three runs in five innings not great right but it's not a thing where he choked or anything dylan gives up walks he leads the league in walks so it is not unusual for him to walk people but it is very unusual for him to walk the first two guys in an inning and then he could have got out of that inning like you said with some help from his defense because he battled and got a tough hitter in Alvarez out and got Tuve out at second. And that pitch he made was a mistake, but it's in the ballpark where a regular right fielder catches that ball. I think that Dylan Cease did enough with the stuff that he had today to get the job done and to keep the White Sox in that game. A regular uh, mortal would have gave up four or five runs to the uh, Astros in that inning. Dylan only gives up two. What we wanted to see was six innings from Dylan. If we saw six innings, that would have been great. But what we've said from any starter is at least give us five innings and three earned runs or less. Dylan did that tonight. And for a guy that has gone out in 24 starts and has given you what he has this year, he probably was expecting that he needed to be perfect tonight. Do I think that he wilted under the lights? No, but I think he saw that Justin Verlander's on the other mound. He knows that Justin Verlander's probably pissed off from the last time he faced the White Sox, and he's thinking, oh, Johnny Cueto can't get any runs in support. I can't get any runs in support. Even when we, you know, have a two-to-one game against the Tigers, against Bo Brisky, I can't get support. So against Justin (laughs) Verlander, I'm not going to be able to get support. So I'm not shocked that Dylan tried to be perfect tonight. I would love to look at his heat map today for his pitches, and we can kind of talk about what he was doing and not doing. And the main thing was he was overthrowing stuff. It was uh, away mainly to right-handers. He was overthrowing his forcing fastball and just trying to get a little bit too much on that. So he was either throwing it too high with the forcing fastball, trying to overthrow it, and he was just you know getting a little bit out of his mechanics, and then also just trying to really fire it in on that outside corner, and again, just overdoing his mechanics, and that's leading to some of the missed balls today. And, and you could see, like, some of it's in the middle of the zone, like you could see. And you could see even the right side, there's that red where he's throwing the slider exactly where he wants to. Like, it's not the worst heat map in the world from Dylan, but it's not the perfect heat maps we've been seeing. Mm-hmm. And mainly that's because human emotion's going to come into this. And and especially, he had 32 pitches in the third inning because his right fielder couldn't bail him out of a basically a, an, easable, an easily catchable ball. And I think that... Like I was saying earlier, that the Astros were patient. They saw what Dylan was doing, and they're like, "Okay, he's not throwing that slider for a strike on the outside corner. He's throwing it off the plate, and all we're doing is chasing it." And he was getting what multiple swings and misses. I think uh, Jordan Alvarez in his one at bat versus Dylan Cease when he did strike him out got three swift whiffs on the uh, slider. And they made a plan. It's like, "Hey, we're not going to be swinging that anymore. Just let that go." 
Let that just go by and let him get us off with the fastball. And he didn't have it with the slider. He couldn't go to another pitch. The knuckle curve, as you saw, Tuve murdered that pitch when it hung up a little bit. So he didn't have his best stuff. And to get through a major league lineup like the Houston Astros have there with some deadly hitters with only three earned runs in five five innings, it's pretty good. Right. Uh, let's look at the swinging strikes he got today. Um, and we could see, like, you know, the slider was still working. Uh, you see all of them low and outside of the zone. Like, that pitch was working for him today, but you only see two uh, swing and misses on the forcing fastball. And I think that's the big thing for Dylan today is he just wasn't able to locate that pitch to the best of his abilities. And if he was, probably goes six innings. Yeah. Probably has a, a little bit better of a day. And, and you know, he, he we're not looking at this. But then I want to look at the balls in play uh, for Dylan, too. And this is what I think the Astros do a lot better than the White Sox. We saw this balls in play for Verlander. And I'm not sure if I gave you that map or not, Stephen. It's okay if I didn't. That's on me. But you see all of those are in the middle of the plate, basically belt high. And they swung out of the zone at some sliders. I mean, you know, on the outside part of the corner. But that's the thing with the Sox is you look at the balls in play that they had against Verlander. And you saw this with Andrew Vaughn. A lot that are high up in the zone. The Astros do a great job of knowing what their zone is and what pitches they want to put swings on. And staying and, dedicated to that. Right. The, the White Sox do not do that. I don't know what's going on with Andrew Vaughn as of late. Like, he is in love with the high pitch, especially the 98-mile-per-hour fastball. I don't know what he thinks he's going to do with it when if he gets it. I know he had a ball close to the warning track today on a high-elevated fastball, but... More likely than not, you're just going to swing through that or you're just going to pop that up because you're going to be too low on that ball and it's going to go straight up. So he needs to have a little bit more discipline and realize like, hey, chest above, I'm not going to do anything with it. Unless it's the other day where I think he hit a, a, a submit mixer slider that was mm-hmm. a little bit above the zone. Those you can adjust to, but a 98-mile-per-hour fastball, you're not going to be adjusting to it. You're just going to be making yourself look silly. And he looked silly on a couple swings he was doing today. Yeah, and the White Sox, again, it wasn't the best offensive no. performance. Like there, there was Jose Abreu of, had a great day. Yeah, Jose Abreu was lining shots left and right, but I don't even think he had a, a run batted in, no. um, which is, you know, People kind in front of, of par for the course. Right, um, and, you know, AJ had a couple decent battles, but uh, I don't really feel like AJ came through today. Aloy had some pretty ugly swings, and he ended up getting on first base, but... I think hurting himself in the process. Like, it seemed like he came up a little bit limp as well in that process, so... It wasn't the best for the Sox, and I, I mean, even see people saying, you know, Yasmani uh, needs to step it up as well. He came through with a hit at some point today, but he still looks like he's uh, having a little bit of problem finding that power. Um, it's time to tell you about our good friends over at Points Bet. They had a lot of specials today for the big Cy Young matchup between Dylan Cease and Justin Verlander. And the best way to support CHGO is to download the Points Bet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. Points Bet Sportsbook is counting down the days until the football season with a new offer every day until the season kicks off. From now until September 8th, Points Bet's Power Hour will unlock a new daily offer from 12 p.m. to 1 p.m. Central Time. And you can sign up now for the sports, uh, Points Bet Sportsbook app using the code CHGO to get two risk free bets up to $2,000. Don't miss your chance to get daily access to free bets, boosted odds, and so much more now through September 8th. But that's not it. If you make $51 or more first time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, like our written articles 
articles from our great beat writers like Manny Duber. You'll also get access to the CHGO Lounge. That's a Discord channel where you get to talk to all of the CHGO personalities that we have. And you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from a CHGO Locker. It wasn't the best day, but I don't think this start knocked him out of Cy Young contention. And we have a brand new shirt in the CHGO Locker the Psy C shirt. So if you are looking to support CHGO, we got 295 people watching right now. Head over to allchgo.com or download the PointsBet Sportsbook app and use that code CHGO when you sign up. Download the PointsBet app today and use code CHGO to take advantage of this limited time offer. Don't just bet. Live your bet life at PointsBet. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. And our next partner has products that I'm excited to talk to you about. Chicago, you've already got the best coverage for your favorite sports teams so get fitted in the best sports gear around foco has you covered from soldier field to the front room north side or south side with hoodies slippers signs bobbleheads and everything in between get Did decked out front room yeah it says front room awesome. uh, get decked out like damar with apparel from the leader in sports merch and collectibles foco Looking for the perfect gift for the football fan in your life? FOCO's got you covered with hoodies to fight that Lake Michigan breeze. Check out FOCO.com or click the link in the YouTube description below. And for all non-presale items, use the promo code CHGO for 10% off at FOCO, F-O-C-O.com. It is time to go out to Guaranteed Ray Field and talk to our excellent beat writer, Vinny Duber. You can follow the CHGO White Sox beat writer at Vinny Duber. Hi, Vinny. Howdy, fellas. How are you tonight? Oh, we're doing Great. awesome. Is that a Neil Young shirt? The band. Ah, it looked Harvest Mooney. Ah, celebrating the 50th anniversary of Rock of Ages, one of my favorite live albums of all time. There you go. I'm, I'm more of a, a last waltz guy. Uh, I mean, you can't go wrong, certainly. Right. That's, that's the best rock and roll movie of all time. Uh, I, love, I love Rock of Ages probably because the, the last waltz is so... There's a novelty about it, I think, in a, in a good way. But if you just want a band concert, you go with Rock of Ages. That's fair. I, I'm a sucker for Dr. John. So Dr. Oh, John and the course. band. Back Rabinac. Oh, come on. Uh, that's real great stuff. Oh, that's not why we called today. <laughs> we didn't call. I can, talk, about- I can sit here and talk about Dr. John for half an hour. I don't think that's what the Sox fans want to hear. So uh, let's move it along. When they're <laughs> playing in Cleveland, we have three hours between the games and the pregames and the postgames to talk about Dr. John. <laughs> but now they have called. We got over 300 people watching because the White Sox beat the Astros today again, late in the innings. Uh, who'd you talk to? Did you talk to the hero, Yohan Moncada, again after his uh, straight night of of heroic yeah yeah we, we heard from Yoan. we heard from gavin sheets who uh played hero tonight a little earlier in the game obviously dylan cease talked after the big matchup uh with the cy young implications tony la Russa, uh you know uh, talked as well obviously as he does after every game so uh there were a lot of folks to uh to hear from tonight because a lot of good stuff happened for the white Sox. uh it was pretty much a repeat of last night in that it looked like it was not going to be good. It looked like the offense was going to fall asleep against a really, really good pitcher. Uh, the Astros have a bunch of them, not just not just uh, the the guy uh, who everybody knows his name. But, the, you know, it, it, it turned around again late, and uh, the White Sox are making a habit of it. It was Andrew Vaughn three times over the weekend against the Tigers, now twice in two nights against the Astros. It's Yohan Moncada, uh, some, some, some clutch – some clutch has found its way to the south side, and they uh, are a game out of first place. Well, and that's the thing. Daniel Stack coming in with a $2 super chat saying, the band, Sox are saying, look out Cleveland. Now one came back uh, of uh, the Cleveland well Guardians. Well done, Daniel. 
Yeah, right? A very, very nice deep cut on the, on the band Super Chat. Herb, take it away. I have nothing from that. Um, I, I know. <laughs> I was wondering, like, Gavin Sheets comes up and hits that clutch double that turns into a triple late in the game. It must feel really good as a guy from the DMV area, as Gavin Sheets probably grew up watching Justin Verlander, and then to get a double to tie the game off him must felt great for Gav. Well, I mean, I think the, the main thing is coming through in a pinch hit spot. I mean, I think Gavin Sheets said it after the game. I know my role on this team. It's not a, just an everyday guy. Um, when he's going to get those chances, he's got to come through. And his, uh, you know, his pinch hit ability is something that is going to be extraordinarily necessary if this team is going to uh, make some, you know, do what it wants to do here over the last month and a half of the regular season and they hope into the uh, postseason. Can you imagine being able to call on a guy like Gavin Sheets in a big moment like like Tony La Russa did tonight and have confidence that he's going to come through? There's been, uh, you know, ups and downs in that department for Gavin all year, uh, but certainly he's a guy who has that ability. He just needs to deliver. He did it tonight, and it was probably one of the bigger moments of the season, just as we thought last night was probably the biggest win of the season. Here we are with a couple of them in two nights. Right, with Yohan, I mean, how does he pick? Which one's his favorite? He delivers last night and he delivers tonight. And talking about a guy who's also been struggling, we looked at the stats of Yohan Mankata when he doesn't have runners in scoring position, when there's not two outs. You know, he's really struggled. There's, I think uh, James Vegan put, there's not a lot of offensive splits that look good for Yohan Mankata outside of his 900 OPS with runners in scoring position and two outs. Uh, what was Yohan like after the game? Because we saw him after he reached first base and he just let out a huge fist pump I don't think I've seen Yohan more excited uh, what was his reaction like I mean he's you know a guy who uh you know like I said he comes from that Jose Abreu corner of the clubhouse and and he knows that that's his job is to deliver in those moments so um he gets amped by him I think everybody does probably this is what you grow up uh playing in the backyard right when you got it when you got the wiffle ball set out you're playing uh two outs in the in, you know in the bottom of the ninth with with the with the runner on and being able to try to get him home uh this is what everybody hopes for. And the guys who come through are the heroes that everybody remembers. Everybody wants to be that guy. I don't think you can help but get juiced up for these situations. And that's what we've seen from Yoan Moncada. He has delivered in these moments. And he talks about, you know, it, you know, helping them focus and, you know, really dialing it up because it's the game. It's the game on the line. So, um, you know, he's been really good, obviously, in these, in these kinds of moments all year long. And it's something that he can hang his hat on. No pun intended, but I will bring it up. You're probably going to see it on the NBC Sports uh, pregame show if you're watching that simultaneously with ours. Yoan Moncada sporting a heck of a hat in the, uh, the postgame interview. It's a, uh, it was a trucker hat that had a patch on the front with a picture of a cockatoo, and it just said the word flirt. <laughs> But of course, what else? <laughs> He's a fashion icon. And usually I would. <laughs> we wouldn't understand. When Tony does something poorly, I will say it. Tony pulled, pushed the right buttons in this game from his bullpen usage to Gavin Sheets pinch hitting right there from leaning Sosa. He did a great job, but that's not necessarily my question for you. It's Dylan Cease. Like, how did he feel about his particular outing? And also James Fegan and a couple other people on Twitter brought up that he might have been doing that balk on purpose where the ball falls out of his glove while he's on the on the rubber. Did anybody speak to him about that and if that was on purpose? That did not come up in the postgame uh, conversation, but certainly a, uh, you know, 
perhaps not a coincidence, uh, given you know what uh, what you can all gather from uh, the chants that were raining down on the Astros all night long and uh, all night yesterday as well. Uh, but Dylan Cease was disappointed about his outing, and I think you know he he knew that this was a big one. He 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 talked very openly yesterday about how. This was exciting. This was good. This should be a big deal. You know what I mean? Which is a little deviation from kind of the, uh, you know, one game, one pitch, one inning, one game at a time kind of thing that we hear from so many players, uh, uh, you know, Dylan included. But he knows what's going on and he uh, knows where his numbers are. It's almost funny. That matter of fact thing almost sends guys, guys the complete other direction sometimes where, you know, it's like, oh, all I, fo- all I can focus on is doing my job and executing my pitches. But I'm so matter of fact that I can look at the stat sheet and know that I'm one of the top two guys from the Cy Young race. You know, I mean, like it's, it's, it's funny that it can almost go in the other direction, too, sometimes. But what do these guys want to do more than anything? They want to go deep into games. Five innings is not something that they're ever going to be happy with. Dylan can realize the the silver lining here that he only gave up three runs, that he kept his team in the ball game. How about the job by the White Sox bullpen, by the way? But uh, you know, this is this is what you got to do. The, the White Sox can't come back, as Tony Larusa pointed out. The White Sox can't come back from being down three-one if that number's bigger than three. And Dylan sees helped keep it at three, and uh, so did the guys that pitched after him, obviously. But uh, there is a silver lining here. But certainly, Dylan's not going to count this as one of his best of the year. And hey, Tim Tam's bringing it up. Uh, I don't know if it's six and zero or five and zero, but they're. It's- Four no in the post Cascade era because he did the concert after Friday's concert. They had won Friday's game, which now the White Sox have won five in a row, but only four no in the post Cascade era. Don't give him too much credit, man. So, so the boys are keeping it rolling. Cascade has obviously been a great influence. Trying to steal wins and trying to steal <laughs> people's music. Uh, <laughs> keeping on Dylan though, I don't think this is very White Sox of them. But was Andrew Vaughn's play in right field in the third inning mentioned on that Alex Bregman? line out by Dylan, by Tony, was it brought up at all in the, in the post game? It was not. Obviously, it's going to be a, you know, and it has been and will continue to be a season-long talking point, kind of the defense in the outfield uh, and, and just kind of the reality of who they're putting out there on a regular basis. Certainly, the injuries have a lot to do with it. And Luis Robert has, you know, not played here for a few days. Uh, you know, they hope he can be back as soon as tomorrow. So you can see a different alignment, perhaps, to starting tomorrow, a more typical alignment for what this team had hoped to look like in the outfield this season. Um but there's no doubt about it. That was that was not a great play. Uh, you know, it reminded me very much of another play against the Astros uh, last fall when Larry Garcia had that ball go over his head in, in right field, just kind of twisting around out there. Um, you know, he got a glove on a very hard hit ball, but uh, people were probably correct in suggesting that a lot of other outfielders, if not most other outfielders, probably would have hauled that in. So uh, cer- certainly, um, you know, could have been a very big moment in the game, was for the longest time when, when the Astros were in front. Um, but, you know, they're they're hoping that the offense can uh, make up for some of the defensive shortcomings. Hasn't really played out that way most of the year. And let's be honest, they only scored four runs tonight. It's not like they uh, tore the cover off the ball. So certainly the last few days, uh, they've been able to get some big wins and come through in big moments without necessarily scoring a lot of runs, which is, uh, you know, very weird to say this deep into the season with this team that we expected to hit the ball really far. But, um the, I guess we can say if the offense isn't necessarily covering up those defensive mistakes, at least the clutch has for the last few days. I'm going to guess the two players who got the Randy Moss jersey and tell me if I'm right or wrong, and then I'll have a question after that. I think that Gavin Sheets got the Randy Moss jersey for offense and that James Lambert got the, the uh, pitcher's uh, Randy Moss jersey. Am I right? 
can confirm on the offensive one, I didn't see the pitcher's one. I wasn't looking for it, so I cannot say that he that Jimmy didn't get it, but uh, I, I didn't see who got the pitcher's one. It, sometimes it's hanging behind a jersey, too, so uh, sometimes it's a little hard to spot, but Gavin's was uh, was out in the open. I think what I wanted to ask, what was going through my mind while Gavin was talking, is does Gavin is Gavin Sheets very familiar with Randy Moss? He's a, he's a younger <laughs> fellow like yourself there, Sean. I'm not sure how many Randy Moss games he actually uh, took in when he was a, a youngster. Probably a well, Ravens fan more than anything. Uh, well, I was about to say, if he's a, a like me, I was a Patriot fan, so I watched a, a decent amount of Randy Moss games, especially in 2007 when they were undefeated. We don't need to talk about the Super Bowl. Um, and you were what, like four years old? Ten. Nine. Wow. Nine years old? Did they play that in was it 2007 Super Bowl in 2008? Just, just a bandwagon guy. I'm not a, a bandwagon <laughs> guy. Whatever. Um, <laughs> you're the, the, only year, the only year I won a fantasy football league. In 2007, the year, that, the year that the Patriots went undefeated, I had—I I believe I had Brady, Moss, Welker, oh, uh, uh, the defense, and the kicker. Wow. <laughs> That's a good combo right there. Yeah. Um. So <laughs> I, I'm th- so thrown off now about the the well. AJ Pollock apparently brought these in. I heard this from Lucas that AJ brought in the Randy Moss thing. Um. So if we can learn AJ Pollock's connection to Randy Moss. Maybe we'll be able to figure out again why it's Randy Moss in the White Sox locker room. I mean, AJ Pollock grew up in the New England area in Connecticut, I believe. Went to school in Notre Dame. I'm just trying to figure it out how he would be Randy Moss in a Chicago locker room. A Randy Moss Vikings jersey too. The question I want to ask you is about the guy who probably got the jersey is Jimmy Lambert. This guy is a revelation. I. Did not expect all this. And the slider he threw, I forgot who, who he struck out, but it looked Dylan Cease-esque. This guy has just developed himself into a top-tier, high-leverage pitcher, which we would never have thought to start this season. Kudos to Ethan Katz. Kudos to Rick Hahn and the pitching lab down there in the AAA because this guy is going to be making some money eventually if he keeps this up. He's been fantastic. Uh, he he hasn't just be, he hasn't just been a good part of that bullpen. He's been kind of a dominant part of that bullpen. Um, I mean, for a while, for a second there, it looked like he was going to go back to back with uh, Thor's hammer. Uh, you know, and and go because he had the three strikeouts on Sunday in the inning. He actually had four because he went over. Uh, you know, into the following inning there, uh, and then he struck out the first two batters that he uh, that he faced tonight. Um, but man, he he could have he could have proved himself worthy uh, in back to back moments there but uh, yeah he's been fantastic really the bullpen as a whole has been really good for the White Sox I mean you saw some good innings tonight out of Jose Ruiz out of Vince Velasquez and that's on top of what Liam Hendricks has done converted 18 straight save opportunities not to mention he's gotten the save in four of the last five games so you got this five game winning streak the the White Sox have put together Liam Hendricks has uh, has shut the door in four of them. So uh, and and it's only and it was a save opportunity in the 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 fifth game, but he had pitched the first two or the previous two nights, so he wasn't able to do it again. Um, listen, these guys are, are are doing it right right now. And and you know before they went ahead in the eighth inning, Liam and Reynaldo Lopez were both warming up side by side. You would have been pretty confident had that game stayed tied if you're the White Sox that Lorraine Lopez would have delivered a scoreless frame against a really good Astros lineup as well. So um, the bullpen has been doing its part lately, looking like that strength, maybe not in the way that we thought it was going to, right? But it definitely looks like the strength that it was set up to be at the beginning of the year, doing it with some kind of guys that uh, you know are, are, are different characters uh, than we expected. The way the White Sox have been winning as of late, these close late inning heroics while the bullpen's doing their job. 
kind of sets themselves up for good playoff atmosphere and how playoff games are won. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, Frank Minichino was a mad genius by saying no him hit home runs, all singles, because that's what the playoffs are all about, just winning well, by one run. And so, so Frank Minichino deserves some credit no, up no, here. Let's knock this up. I, I want to bring this up because I, I read this today in The Athletic, and this is actually kind of, this kind of plays into exactly what you're saying here. Um, so if we can go to the <laughs> one thing I sent you, Stephen, uh, this is from James Fegan's piece today. Uh, well, but James, Washington- is, James is getting a lot of love on this show right oh, now. I'm sorry. I'll stop mentioning him. Uh, he's not paying for any, he's not paying for any <laughs> yeah, of his mentions. I, don't, I was going to say, I don't think he, I don't think he even has a CHGO membership. All right. So sure. the guy from the uh, the black and, the other black and white Chicago media outlet, um, <laughs> but in watching the White Sox rally for four runs against the Astros bullpen Monday night, it brought to mind a Sox staffer arguing that the lack of home runs might make the, uh, made the. Uh, this difficult regular season much easier and was more of a symptom than the actual problem. In the postseason, they contended the volume of mistake pitches from elite pitching teams goes down precipitously precipitously anyways. Uh, James has a much uh, better education than I do, and I can't read these big words. Uh, And teams dependent on home run power are hard-pressed to adapt. So I thought that was interesting because, Vinny, what we've heard from you is, especially after last series, series, postseason series with the Astros, Rick Hahn probably the most important White Sox staffer said we need to hit more home runs. And this thing from James is basically kind of going against that, that, Oh no, I mean, in the postseason, we're going to be better off because we can make great contact. Um, What do you kind of siphon out from, you know, that from Rick Hahn saying, you know, we need more home runs. And then apparently a different White Sox staffer saying, "Eh, this is good for playoff baseball. Uh, it strikes me as finding a silver lining. It, it strikes me as kind of saying exactly what Herb just said, like, oh, maybe maybe this will work to our advantage kind of thing. You know, I, I think um, I think given the choice between the two, they'll take the big home run numbers over some of the, the worst home run numbers in baseball uh, right now. What they will take more than anything, of course, though, is wins. And any way that they can get them is going to be uh, uh, considered important for this team right now because it has taken a long time for them to start getting them with any sort of significant uh, – you know, frequency. Uh, who knows if this five-game winning streak is the start of something or, or or just five games here in the middle of August. We're all far too experienced watching the 2022 White Sox to try to make a guess there. But, uh, you know, it. listen, they don't care right now how they win. They just want to win. And you've got guys in the clubhouse saying that every game is like a playoff game, that every game is a game they need to win, not want to win, need to win with how things are going right now. They could be in a dogfight here with the Guardians. And, hey, the Twins are right there, too. The Twins haven't gone anywhere either. Uh, with both those teams, perhaps, all the way to the end here for the division title, uh, they're going to take that. They're going to take the victories any way they can get them and not read too much into how they were getting them. Yeah, I would love to see more home runs for this team. And uh, Jordan Lazowski, who we brought up already on this show, too. So these guys really need to start paying us for these mentions. Uh, He said the Braves last year had the second most home runs in baseball in the second half of 2021, the most home runs in the 2021 playoffs, and the second best home run per game ratio in the uh, 2021 playoffs. So I think if the White Sox want to win a World Series, home home runs. runs need to happen. But, you know, if we're just trying to win the division and get in, Singles, doubles, two doubles a game might do it for the White Sox. One, one at a time, Sean. One at a time. I think that's the idea right now. You're not going to be able to. Uh, you're not going to be able to criticize them for accomplishing the what's in front of them 
being upset that they might not get what's at what comes next. So I think it, I think you go one thing at a time here, and that's really all you can do with the position the White Sox put themselves in through the first four months of the season. Our guy Clark mentioned that the Sox are forty-two and sixteen when they score four runs or more. So maybe they just need to score four runs, and then you know I don't I can stop complaining, and you know we don't need to hear about me talking about home runs and hitting fly balls. I say score ten runs. I'm sure their record when they score ten runs is better than forty-two and sixteen. Uh, I can think of two losses where they had nine runs and lost. Well, that's why so, they've got to score you know, 10. I don't know about 10 runs. <laughs> I got nothing else for you, Vinny. I just like the shirt. Do you guys have any more of uh, the band uh, references that I won't get? I got one more question. Okay. Uh, Luis Robert, uh, what's the update on Robert? No Robert today uh, in the first two games of this Astros series after injuring his hand on Saturday. Yeah, the, uh, the update is that apparently the only thing that was holding him back from playing in this game was he felt a little soreness when he was swinging the bat. Uh, apparently everything else is good to go, but they want to make sure that he's as close to 100% as he can be in order to get him out there. Certainly swinging the bat is quite a uh, significant part of his job description, so uh, they're going to want to make sure that he's able to do that. There was even, you know, Tony didn't even take off the table that he might have been able to pinch hit in this game pending the outcome of the pregame workout. So Tony has been talking to us before those pregame workouts. And so, you know, we're not necessarily privy to what happened immediately following that. We have to wait a day uh, and see what the lineup looks like. It's going to be the case again tomorrow. But Tony keeps saying uh, there's no way this is going to be an injured list thing. And uh, tomorrow could be the day that that Luis is back in there. Awesome. Uh, And then I think we'll end it on this. I did see or I've been able to find that back in 2017, the Diamondbacks had a Randy Moss jersey, two Randy Moss jerseys in their locker. Uh, I found an article where Ildemaro Vargas got the player of the game Randy Moss jersey, and I found a video of Patrick Corbin wearing it in 2017. So A.J. Pollock is just recycling ideas. Yeah, Patrick Corbin could maybe use that Randy Moss jersey back. <laughs> maybe if they want to mail it back to him in, uh, in in Washington there because things are not going well for the Nationals. But uh, there you go, A.J. Pollock. Uh, hey, listen, Randy Moss uh, apparently, uh, for a certain age group at least, uh, Sean not included, uh, you know, uh, was uh, – was a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool guy to watch. Now, obviously, in this town, uh, not necessarily the most popular person uh, of all time, and certainly uh, maybe some folks are out there wondering, wishing that there was a Bears jersey on the wall. But if you're looking for a great Bears receiver, I don't know who you're putting up there. You're giving the the Moosin Muhammad Player of the Game award. I don't know if that's <laughs> yeah. going to go over very well. The Curtis Conway, Randy Moss. That's the guy that Charles Tillman shut down right in 2001. No, that's a uh, Calvin Johnson. Well, no, Charles well, I, Tillman, I don't believe Moss. was playing in 2001, so I, I think you got to sure, check your math there, Sean. I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> sure rookie Charles Tillman had a really good game against Randy Moss or something like that. I'm sorry. I know he had a great game. I, I, I host Calvin the White Johnson, Sox show. I'm but sorry. It might have also been Randy Moss. But, yeah, Marcus <laughs> Robinson jersey, you can get a Allen Robinson jersey. The dearly departed, not dead, but left the Bears, and now he's going to be a Rams uh, champion. So, Vinny, we really appreciate you coming on with us. And, uh, man... Two wins. Go get them next tomorrow. I'm fine. I'm actually satisfied the White Sox got two of these four games. Now I'm actually getting greedy. Got to get the next one. Get three out of four. And that's a great homestand for the White Sox. And, Sean, did you know that they're now over 500 at home? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. They are now 30 and 29. Uh, so we'll see if they're able to keep this up uh, over the next two games. Uh, Vinny, we will talk to you tomorrow. Appreciate you joining us from Guaranteed Rate Field. And don't forget, Vinny's got a mailbag coming out very soon. So if you are a CHGO member, head to the CHGO Discord and you can ask him questions in our CHGO Lounge or 
get him on Twitter at Vinny Duber, and you could send him your questions there. He's a CHGO White Sox beat writer and apparently Randy Moss's number one fan. Bye, Vinny. See you guys. <laughs> apparently, our boss, Jake Flanagan, said you were right. He shut down Randy Moss in his rookie year. So I, Jake Flanagan's one of the biggest guys, of uh, biggest uh, Bears fans ever. He loves them. He has a, a extensive collection of Bears stuff. And he loves those guys, and he would know if Peanut shut down Randy Moss. But I remember when Peanut stole an interception or stole a ball from uh, Megatron in the end zone. Yes. Steven, do we think we can get away playing an NFL clip? We cannot. Okay, all right. I was going to say. Jake is just going to be there. Fuck no! no. And by the way, there was a a guy that uh, had a super chat earlier. I hope he's still in the thing, and he was asking me a question. Oh, yes. It was a great question, too. It was a great question. Juan Hernandez says, do you still want them to lose, Herb? You compared them to the Bears before where they won late in the season and gave them a reason to keep the coaches. If you recall that, yes, I did say I want them to lose because the White Sox were playing piss poor and they weren't doing anything. And in that same uh, breath, I said, now watch if they go off, I'm going to be the first one cheering them to the AL Central uh, title. I'll be rooting them on. So, yes, Juan if they lose, like, hey, man, changes need to be made. If they win, I'll be still cheering them on, and changes need still to be made. Well, I'm a I'm a White Sox fan, but know that this team is not complete, that here, this team cannot do the things that they want to do in the playoffs. And here's the reality, too. If the White Sox don't make the playoffs in 2022, the seventh-highest payroll in baseball will fall. They are not going to spend the same amount of money on this team if they don't make the playoffs. So... If the White Sox, in one of their biggest years of contention, the, the the widest this window has ever been open, if they go from a team that has spent the seventh most money in baseball to a team that won't even make the playoffs, absolutely heads need to roll. I think heads need to roll anyways. Yes. I've been calling for Tony LaRusso's job since May of 2021. All right? That call is just not going to be heard. It will never be heard. And after the Rangers fire Chris Woodward, what is Bob Nightingale writing in USA Today? The White Sox will never fire Tony LaRusa. So I'm with Herb that the only way that changes will get made, the changes that I think will help the White Sox get to possibly or closer to a World Series level, would be the White Sox missing the playoffs. But I think the worst thing for the White Sox franchise in 2022 would be missing the playoffs. This team, for the sake of keeping this money flowing and and keeping this team uh, still investable, they need to make the playoffs. So I think it's a great question from Juan just because I I am really fighting with that. I don't want to see Tony La Russa in the dugout again for the White Sox. And we didn't ask this about Vinny. It's kind of what we expected the answer to be. But yesterday we saw the video, played the video on the podcast about the fan that was sitting near the on-deck circle yelling at Tony saying, get Engel in. And it looks like Tony hears him and then, you know, ends up uh, pinch running Engel. What Tony said was, no, I didn't hear him. And this is the quote from Vinny um, asking Tony. Uh, Tony was unaware of the fan yelling from the stands until asked about it today. He got a kick out of it. Maybe uh, make his day. Tell him I heard it. Truthfully, staff was debating Engel's speed versus Aloy's bat. Had the game stayed tied, ask him if he thought about it, and uh, ask him if he thought about the tenth. Uh, TLR joked. Um, so I, I really just don't think that the White Sox can get to a World Series with Tony Russo as the manager. But I think what would be worse for the White Sox is missing the playoffs in 2022. It's a st- it's a tough spot for White Sox fans to be in, especially if you don't like Tony Russo. But the players don't deserve this. 
I think. I th- and I think the players are su- suffering and are being hurt by LaRusse's p- presence in the locker room. Couldn't agree more. Like, he's deserved to be fired multiple times. Yeah, and it was after the Dodger game this year. I mean, there, there's many, many different examples where, you know, they, sh- they should have taken Tony I mean, out of his job. I mean, yes, exciting. Five games in a row we've won and beat the Astros two games of the four-game set. The five games over 500 in August. That's not where the White Sox are supposed to be. So, yes, they've done well now, and it's exciting. The wins were great, but the Sox are still underachieving greatly right now. Greatly. They're mm. worse than somebody said. Baltimore's got a piss-poor uh, payroll, and they've got a better record. Uh, then, hello, Cleveland's the first place team in the AL Central, and they're spending $35 million yeah, so, on their team. So, yes, Tony Russa deserves to get let go after this year, and which I, I don't think will happen. It will have to happen on his terms, and he'll have to say, hey, I just don't need this frustration in my life. I'm a Hall of Fame baseball person. And I think there's another super chat from our guy Jason. <laughs> Thank you, Jason, very much. About a week ago, I said we should look at Simmons or DD at shortstop, and was Mock still stand that uh, by that a, 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 after another week of Sosa? He is not the answer for the regular season. Neither is Leary. Um, we didn't mean to mock you, so our bad on that, I wouldn't mock you. I mocked the two players you brought up, because DD and uh, who was it? Uh, Simmons. Simmons. Andrew and Simmons. <laughs> they both can't hit. And only one of them can field. And I don't know if Andrews and Simmons can field like he was back in Braves slash Angels days. So, no. He got released by the Cubs. The Cubs are like, mm, we're good. Uh, and I, We've seen enough. And I think, too, like, Sosa's at-bats have been horrible. What I've heard from most people who have covered Sosa in AA and AAA is that he needs about a month to get used to the pitching. And you can just see Justin Verlander toyed with him most of the at-bats that he was up there. So, I understand, Jason... Not wanting Sosa out there. We kind of discussed that with Vinny yesterday. And the Sox have put themselves in this position. When Danny Mendick got hurt, they didn't address the depth that was lost at that position. When Tim Anderson got hurt, they didn't address the depth at that position. When they signed Leary Garcia to an extension, they put him on the 26-man roster for the next three years. They put themselves in this position. I don't think that D.D. or Anderson would help this team. I don't think it would make a massive impact. Sosa hasn't looked good. I think there is the opportunity for him to look better. I'm not against him getting another week, but I'm also not against the opportunity or the idea of maybe Romy Gonzalez getting a call-up, yeah. Zach Remillard getting a call-up to play shortstop. I'm not against them rotating the player Sosa out if he continues to not perform. I just don't think that Simmons and Didi truly are an upgrade over Sosa. And they're not upgrades over Leary. I've shown the stats where Leary is an actual better hitter than Didi Gregorius is the last two years. And that is saying a lot. Leary Garcia is a better hitter than Didi Gregorius in the last two seasons. I'd rather a healthy Lurie, which he is not right now, would be playing for me 10, uh, 10 times out of 10 over Yes and Didi. Yeah, and the only thing I need right now is no more uh, Lennon Sosa or Lenin Sosa and Leary Garcia um, at shortstop, but we're not going to get that. Um, I do also need a 100% plant-based protein shake. That's only what I need. I, I have to there. tell you. Hey, you know, I try. I have to tell you about Owen. It only stands for only what you need. It's 100% plant-based 
plant-based protein shake that gives you nutrition that works as hard as you do. All of their products are free of artificial ingredients. They're allergen friendly. There's no gluten or dairy, and they are easily digestible. After a workout, I know our guy Nicholas Moriano of the CHGO Bears pounds these things. I know that he uses this to refuel after he puts in a hard workout. I know that Chicago Bears quarterback Justin Fields refuels his energy by living his plant-based diet and refueling with Owen. They do that with the the, the, the chocolate flavor, the vanilla flavor, the uh, salted caramel flavor, the salted banana flavor. I know you got the uh, dark chocolate one before okay. and like that one. You can go to liveowen.com. That's L-I-V-E. O-W-Y-N.com. You can take the quiz. They'll give you products that fit your lifestyle best and truly easily digestible. The flavors are great. It's 170 calories, but you are filling yourself up with protein. It's a very filling snack. So if you're even looking to, like instead of having a $200 or a 200 calorie chocolate bar, have Owen. You're putting in better ingredients into your body. More protein. You're putting more protein into your body. This is what your body needs to have a sustainable, healthy life. So go to liveowen.com. That's L-I-V-E-O-W-Y-N. And you can get 20% off your first purchase at liveowen.com with the code CHGO20. CHGO has partnered up for this offer, awesome offer. Again, 20% off your first purchase at liveowen.com with the code CHGO20. You can join me and Justin Fields and try Owen only what you need just refreshed the live stream and we still have a ton of people hanging out with us 258 people wow. watching the chgo white Sox live stream we appreciate you guys so much make sure you hit that like button help chgo grow this is our first season we're excited to do 10 more with you here hopefully we got more division titles to look for this is a very very wide open window according to gm rick Hahn. i don't think i'll survive 10 more of these years i, I won't either of this uh, no like like no. the White Sox just kicking ass? Yeah, but, I can do those. Hey, I mean, if this is, you know, we're promised parades, the Dodgers have parades. I mean, look at the Dodgers. You know, they're constantly winning seven games, 70 games each year. So what I believe is the window is going to be that good, right, Herb? Just as good as the Dodgers. Exactly the same. We got, exactly we got the, the minor same. league. We got the, the purse strings that we open up every time. <laughs> got the smarts. When we, when we need a player, we need to fill in a player that we don't fill in with our minor leaguers. Jerry's like, let's go. Right. <laughs> And you can help support the cause at allchgo.com. Become a member there. You get access to our premium written content by our guy, Vinny Duber, who just joined us. When he has a written article, when he's putting pen to paper, that's where he publishes members to all chgo get the access to those written articles from all of our teams so if you're looking for more chicago sports coverage we have great coverage great writers at all chgo.com you can become a member and help support us that way we'll give you the premium written content we'll give you access to the chgo lounge it's the chgo discord where you can get to chat with all the chgo personalities and members when they sign up get a free t-shirt so you can go get one of the great logo t-shirts we got one for the blackhawks white Sox, cubs Bears, Bull, Sky, Red Star, Fire. We have all of the Chicago teams covered. But we also have some specialty ones, like Cy Cease. We love watching Dylan Cease go out and dominate and shove for your Chicago White Sox. So support the Cy Young candidate. Become a member at allchgo.com. Get the free shirt. Get access to the CHGO Lounge. And uh, get access to the uh, premium written content by all of our fantastic, fantastic writers at allchgo.com. All right, Herb, anything else that we have missed or not covered in this Astros-White Sox game? Yes, Clark Reamer saying, it's our first year and you guys are my go-to pre- and post-games show. 
Thank you, Clark. We really appreciate it. We see you in the chats and pre- and post-game. We really appreciate your patronage of our YouTube channel. The stats. Yes, the stats, the the contributing. You know, you guys are part of the show, too. When the, you do comment on these, we see all the comments that come through. The good, the bad, the ugly. But Clark <laughs> usually brings the goodness there. Well, and hey, uh, we, we were talking about the band with, uh, with our guy Vinny. Daniel Stack ends up bringing up uh, the band uh, as well. And Clark defined... Frank Minichino's offense style by one album. David Bowie's Station to Station, baby. So, uh, you know, Clark's putting in some great, fantastic work for us, and we appreciate everybody yeah. uh, hanging Cortese out Cortese out there in Oregon, I believe. Five to nothing, no hitter each and every day for Matthew Cortese. is out in Canada. International fan base is going deep. We got him. We got Juan, I think, is in Spain, but he's in vacationing in France. Shea, got rich people Shea, watching us. Shea Fidel's in here. Baseball tossed, hanging out with us. Uh, it's, it's really been great. And Scorecard Fanatic asking an important uh, question. When am I going to shave my head? August 21st. So August 21st, we have a game against the Guardians. We'll be doing a pregame show at 1030. We'll be doing a full show. We'll be watching the game live. You'll be able to watch our live reactions. We're going to be having guests as well. Um, And it will be a fun three-hour show where we're watching the game. You'll be able to watch our live streams. So it'll be me, Vinny, Herb, a couple guests watching nine innings of baseball with you in a very important matchup between the Guardians and White Sox. And it seems like we'll be shaving my head during those nine innings. Yeah, we have plenty of time. And remember, I said the 22nd, they'll be in first place. Technically, tomorrow on Wednesday, the White Sox win, the Guardians lose. The White Sox are in first place. I win, and I win, go to the Showcase Showdown. Yes. <laughs> and I hope you do well in that Showcase Showdown. I hope you win both. I hope you're uh, under 1,000, right? It's Yeah, within 1,000. I I. I thought that I, somebody was under a thousand and they didn't give it to him lately. Maybe it's under five hundred now. They made it really hard, but uh, God, I hope me, you get both. That's what I should watch. You guys should watch me watching The Price Is Right. Oh my God, these people are the dumbest people in the world. Like they've never seen The Price Is Right. Like they never were sick when they're children and they had to watch The Price Is Right at ten a.m. every day. You guys were actually sick. I was just faking oh. sick. And oh just yeah, watch I, it. I just wanted to watch The Price Is Right. I, I liked going to school. School was my uh, refuge. I enjoyed it because I, I was actually kind of smart. I just hated homework, so that's why I wasn't good at school. See, I got bullied. Dumb. So my refuge was instead of going to that hellhole, I got to hang out with my good friend Drew Carey and Bob Barker, and I got to play The Price Is Right. So uh, ten thirty. CBS, I was there, man. Uh, I, mean, I, I was ready to go. That's what happens when you go to school like Brother Rice instead of a Wheat North Falcon. Oh, that was that was grammar school. Don't worry. Okay, I, sorry. I, yeah, <laughs> uh, we we acted manfully over <laughs> at, at Brother Rice High School. Uh, let's go to one final thing, and uh, well, I got two final things. Uh, this one's from Michael Kenny. Uh, this is when you play a first baseman in right field, um, and this is 2022 WAR versus Weighted Runs Created Plus for qualified hitters. Uh, you can follow Michael Kenny at. Michael underscore Kenny, K-E-N-N-Y, Junior, J-R. And if you're able to see the screen, you can see the dot, the massive outlier of Andrew Vaughn. He is so far to the right because his weighted runs created plus, the hitting aspect is very, 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 very good. He is about 25% better than an average MLB hitter. But the reason why his... War, his actual value is so low is because he plays garbage ass defense because why, Herb? He's a first baseman. He's a first baseman playing right field. Yes. So I wish that Recon took his own advice and upgraded right field this offseason. 
He did not, and that's why Andrew Vaughn's out there. And if we have to watch Andrew Vaughn in a postseason game play the outfield, I will scream my head off. Do not need to see this. Do not ruin Dylan Cease trying to win you a playoff game by putting Andrew Vaughn in right field. They made a position for him this year. It's called designated hitter. Put him there. All the time. And KPW, I can speak a little Spanish, but I cannot sing Spanish except for Marty Mar, of course. I could sing telenovelas uh, theme songs, but not uh, international smash hit like uh, Disaster Personal. Feliz Navidad. Yes, that's a great song. But I don't want to ruin that. Is that a, a Feliciano? Jose Feliciano? Yes. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas from the bottom of my heart. Yeah, I can sing a very few Spanish songs, but I don't want to mess up a beautifully done song there by Yohan Moncada. Yeah, but it's beautifully done. Uh, and what was I'll, wear, I'll wear a, uh, what's that called? A, what does he romper? use? A, a romper. There you go. One of these days and dance like him. Yeah. All right. Well, if, if Yohan Moncada has a, no? finishes, if Yohan Moncada finishes with a batting average over 200, Herb will wear a romper. If he bats over 300 for the year, I'll wear a romper right here on the CHCO. So you're saying from August no, 17th. Right now. August, like the whole year. The whole year. Yeah. He hits over 300. Yeah. Okay. So well, get to it. You're, you're no fun. Get to um, it. Great. Uh, anyways, let's go to the final thing and then we'll get out of here. Hawk once said, you'll win 60, you lose 60. It's the other 42 that count. Our guy Jim Margulis over at Sox Machine said, after last night's game, feels like the Sox are 2-23 and 23, um, in the Hawks' other 42. Well, hey, Jim, we got a counter going. Uh, I don't know how well I'm doing. Again, this is the first time I'm doing it. I got the Sox of 43 wins, 40 losses, and I got them at 18 and 16 in the other 42. What it means, Herb, we're still trying to figure it out. Yeah, it's, uh, we're filling up that other category, and the, the wins and losses part got to catch up to their 60. I don't know if they will. Theoretically, it <laughs> won't. <laughs> if the, the other will just take over. Right. So, yeah, it's weird. Well, what, what will probably happen is there will probably be recorrection after this season. So if the Sox don't get to 60 losses there uh, or, or whatever, I'll probably have to adjust and, and throw some of the, the others in. But if I'm throwing some of the others like the losses to fill up that column, that just means the the other 42 gets better. The exactly. other 42 has a better look to it. So uh, I hear what you're saying. The, the more they win, uh, the better it looks. I think that they've been all right. Love to see more homers, but the starting pitching's been fantastic. The bullpen's been fantastic. The hitters just need to hit more homers. Outside of that, this team, feeling all right about. I don't, think I'd, I don't think I'd be any warmer. I'm feeling better about it. I don't know if I'm feeling all right about it. I'm going out there to Cleveland on Friday evening to watch them uh, lose to the uh, White Sox and see that terrible ballpark. And then I'll come back and I'll be ready for the 21st show where the White Sox are going to be going for the sweep versus the Guardian. And I can keep my hair as it is right now. It's, uh, <laughs> got the, just got it ni- nicely faded up. Mm. They're one game back. Got the waves right there. I hope you guys are not getting seasick. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> They're one game back, and uh, Herb's going to keep there. those curly, flowing locks uh, if the White Sox are able to take over first place. Join us tomorrow. It is another 7-10 game, so join us for a 6-30 pregame show, and join us for the postgame show after the game. It will be a blast. Vinny will be here. Herb will be here. I'll be here. Steven will be here. Be a great time. Matthew Cortese will be here. Matthew Cortese well, not will be here, here, but it'll be 
in the YouTube. Jesus Shuttlesworth will be here. Shay Fidel will be here. Courtney will probably be here. It'll be a great time. So follow her on Twitter at Ecknerball23. Follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Follow the show on Twitter at CHG underscore White Sox. We're joined by Vinny Duber. From Guaranteed Rate Field, you can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. Thank you to Steven Nelson for your production of this Whoa, show. Steven wow. Nelson. Steven Nelson. Hey, I, no, I don't have that good of a Twitter. You're a fantastic broadcaster, a professional broadcaster. <laughs> Love hearing you on MLB Network. Steven Nicholas. I am so bad. Steven Nicholas, thank you very much for your production. Thank God I didn't call you Steve or something. You know, I could. I, that would want to worse. Steven yeah. Nelson is a, is a better slip up than. How about Stevie? Stevie! No, no, Stevie. that is what my parents call me, and I hate it. Oh, mm. thank you, Stevie, for your production. <laughs> Should have never said we'll that. We'll talk to you guys later, and thank you to Fleetwood Mac for their 1979 album, Tusk. Bye.